song and dance or fall off the stage or something, loosen you up a bit. <clears throat> uh, today marks a, um, the first week where we look at a, a new topic. For the last four weeks, we've been looking at the book of James. And there in the book of James, we have been teasing out uh, some of the things that James has been saying to us um, <clears throat> about truth and how to apply it in our lives. And now, um, today, as I said, we start a new series called Breathing Room. And um, hopefully what we're going to cover over the, next, over the next four weeks is material that is applicable and relevant to everybody in the house. Whether you're old, 45 plus perhaps, or whether... Tough crowd. Or... Or whether you're young, whether you're single, whether you're just married, or whether you're not married, whether you'd like to be married, whether you wouldn't, doesn't matter. <clears throat> and what we're going to do is we are going to talk about breathing space. <clears throat> when Linda and I go on holidays, we pack differently. Linda's often upset at the way I pack. And sometimes you may find that if you look at this particular suitcase, it might remind you of your handbag or perhaps the boot of your car or perhaps your closet at home or perhaps for you people that have had the kids leave home and you finally found out that there was carpet on the floor. And perhaps this looks like your wallet. Bits and pieces sticking out of it, jam-packed, full of stuff. For some of you sitting here this morning, you're going, what? Because that's the way you pack. It's okay if your wallet looks like this. It's okay if your handbag looks like this, Nath. It's okay if your if you're, um, Walk-in robe looks like this. It's okay if, you're, if the boot of your car looks like that. If you have amazing capacity to jam so much into your life and handle it, well, I applaud you. For me, I can't work in that kind of environment. For some people, mess, I can work in that. I know where everything is. Don't shift anything. Or I won't be able to find it. Others of you, I've just sport your day. It's okay if the boot of the car looks like this. If you're not quite sure which one you are, then have a look at the back seat of your car. If you're going to give me a lift home this afternoon, oh, that just stressed you out when I said this afternoon, you're hoping I'd say this morning. This afternoon, if you are going to give me a lift home in your car this afternoon, if you have to excavate the back seat, and you have to shift stuff and tie stuff on the, on the roof, or perhaps you've got to get a mate to drop some stuff out of your car into their car. Maybe they own a, a, a big four-wheel drive, black four-wheel drive, you can dump stuff into the four-wheel drive, and they can follow you home. If you're that kind of person, or perhaps you're the kind of person where it's squeaky clean on the back seat. By the way, have a look at my wife's car. If you're 
closed cupboard looks like that. If your suitcase looks like that, that's okay. But it's not okay if your life looks like that. It's not okay if your finances look like that. It's not okay if your relationships look like that. It's not okay if your schedule looks like that. If you open your diary and there's stuff going everywhere, it's not okay. Because when your diary, when your finances, when your relationships look like that, it minimises our enjoyment of life because everyone has their limit. Some of you have amazing capacity. I don't. But everyone has their limit. Some of you, your limit is up this end of the continuum. Some others of us, our limit is about here. Some of us, I can only handle that much. It's not fun when you get a phone call from a young couple who have maxed out their finances. There's no room for any discretionary funds. There's no room for anything. They're right at the limit of their dollars. It's no fun when something comes in unexpected. Christmas comes along. And unexpected bills come along and there's no margin for error. It's not fun. It's not fun to be on the other end of the phone, listening to someone weep on the other end of the phone because relationship has taken a dive because life was just so busy with finances and schedule that I didn't have enough time to invest in my relationship. Life's too full. I can't find the hours to invest in a relationship because the schedule is so full because the finances, the press of finances, I'm right at the limit. I've got no margin. It's not fun hearing from a woman or a man say, man, my marriage is in trouble. I haven't invested in my marriage. It's very interesting that you and I will sit there as life continues on at a frenetic pace. We'll say we don't have the hours to invest in this. We don't have the hours to invest in this. We don't have the hours to invest in this. And yet when the crisis comes, perhaps when the Lord places a crisis in your life, all of a sudden you can find the hours to try and heal the issue that's presented itself. Some men, some women spend hours and hours and hours and hours, hours and hours post-crisis trying to mend. Where did they find the hours? The same place they could have found the hours, right back here. It's okay for the boot of your car to look like that. Or even your back seat, unless I want to sit in it. But it's not okay for your life to look like that. Sometimes Linda travels with me.
everyone needs in their life a little bit of breathing space. Breathing space for, well, oh, I've got to do this, don't I? Sorry, Richard. Richard is already snoring up the back, and I'm supposed to be on the ball. So a little prayer over this. I need to baptise it. No, here it is. What is breathing space? If you Google it, you won't come up with this definition. But how about if you take out your biblical concordance, that thing that finds words in Scripture for you? No, you won't find breathing room mentioned in Scripture. But for the intent of our next few weeks, as we worship together, as we talk together about breathing space and the need for margin in our lives, we're going to say that breathing room is the space between our current pace and our limits. Our current pace and our limits. Our current pace. How fast are we moving financially in our lives? How fast are we moving as far as our schedule in our lives? How much are we investing in our relationships in our life? Oh, but Murray, you don't get it. Uh, I mean, my life, man, it's, it's just so busy. It's just the job that I'm in, and, and it's the season that I'm in. It's the age that I'm in. Oh, yeah, I get that. I get that. But is there a margin? Do you live with a margin financially, daily, and relationally? Because if your pace is such that you're going 100 mile an hour, and the family is going so many different directions at 100 mile an hour, you may find that life has become a life where you are so busy making a living that you fail to make a life. Is it, is it so fast in your life that you don't have time to just stop and have some breathing space? Life is better when there's breathing space. Because the very, very things that we run after and chase are the very, very things that can minimise our joy in life. And for us that are Jesus followers, for us that are Christians, this whole concept of breathing space is actually tied to faith and trust in the God that we serve. And we're going to cover that a little bit this morning. <clears throat> if our breathing space, sorry, if our life simulates more this, then there's a number of things that are happening probably in your life. There's a number of things that you have to deal with when life is so fast that there's not enough margin for those things that just crop up. There's not enough margin in your financial life. There's not enough margin in your, in your schedule in order for you to invest in your relationship life. And because of that, your relationship life takes a dive. And if you're living your life like this, there's a number of things that, of course, happen. Number one, 
our stress levels go up. Ever been stuck in the traffic and the big hands heading towards the 12 and you've got to get there? Why do they call them hands? I don't know. Don't use them anymore. We use digital. But anyway. And as the big hand moves to the 12, you're thinking, man, I'm going to be late for this appointment. If only my spouse hadn't sat down this morning over wheat mix and just had that thing that they had to unpack, I would have made it on time. If it hadn't have been that I had to run the kids around to this and then run that kid to that and take the kid to swimming and take the kid to gymnastics and Rio or whatever you had to do, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be late. But because of that, as the clock begins to go to 12, you know that you're running out of time and as, as time runs out, stress goes up. And you know it's no fun. <clears throat> it's no fun. When you look at your bank account and you go, how on earth am I ever going to pay that? I had no idea that was coming in. It's no fun. Stress goes up. Where am I going to get the dollars? I'll have to work harder. I'll have to work longer. I'll have to take a second job. Perhaps I'll take a third job. If you're in the ministry, take a fourth job. Hey, Brad. It's no fun. Stress goes up. If you are living a life like this, our focus narrows. The very thing that where we don't have margin, we've got no room to move, is the very thing that we begin to focus on simply because we've got to be careful on that particular one or two things. And whilst we're being careful on that particular one or two things, all the other important things in life that we should be aware of become peripheral. Let me illustrate. If I talk to you back here, I can say pretty well much just what I want. I can concentrate who I'm talking to. I can sort of concentrate on what I'm talking about, even though I'm making it up as I go along. But if I move to the front of the stage, getting uncomfortable? If I move to the front of the stage, where is my focus now? You see, the closer I move to the front of the stage, the more I have to focus on exactly where I stand because I've reduced the margin. I've got to be careful that I don't drop off. And as I stand here, even at some stage, my eyes go down because I've got to focus on something where I have little or no margin. That's exactly what happens in our financial lives. When we max out our credit cards, when we max out our bank accounts, when we live on credit, when, when we get bills in, we haven't got the money to pay for those bills, when we have this appetite that we must satisfy because we need this and we need that and it's got to be bigger and it's got to be faster, when we live in financi financially like that, we actually inch towards the place where we have no margin. And when we have no margin, we begin to focus on that and those other things that we need to be and should be aware of, like our relationships, become peripheral. If our schedule is so jammed that we have no breathing room, we have no... 
then we get to the point where the schedule drives our life to the point where no breathing room and because we have no margin, we focus on the schedule. We run from one thing to the next and the kids have got to do this and the kids have got to go there and my wife needs this and my husband needs this and work dictates this and I've got to travel here and I've got to do this and I've got to write that and I've got to eat this and I've got to smoke that, whatever. We get to the point where the margin tends to zero and we redline our lives. And when we redline our lives in our schedules and our finances, we find that the bandwidth that we have available to invest in our relationships is diminished because we don't have time for it. relationships suffer. Now as you sit here, like me, you say, well, there's a reason, Murray, why I tend to live like that. Because I've got bills to pay and I've got a boss and and I've got work demands and it's the season I'm in, as I said, and it's the, it's the pace at the moment. And it's like, I've just got to focus on this at the moment. And I get that. I get that there's seasons. I get that there's times when we have to focus. I get that there's times in our lives where we have to focus on the finances in our, in our lives. We have to focus on our schedules. We have to focus on our relationships. But if we are living our lives where we have no margin, no breathing room in our finances and our schedules and our relationships are suffering, we have to address something. Now, why... Why do we tend this way? Why do many, many of us tend to live this way? Is it because of our, of our job? Yes, that's got something to do with it. Is it because of our, our, our earning capacity? Yes, I think that's got something to do with it. Is it because of our age? Is it because of our family situation at the moment? Yes, I think that's got something to do with it. But behind all that, The one thing I think that drives this whole life scenario more than anything else, and if we can wrap our heads around it over the next four weeks, if we can wrap our heads around it and also begin to appreciate and address the issue that I think is behind a life like this, we can begin to make progress. We begin to get back that peace that we get from breathing room because we're willing to trade it for prosperity, Profit and progress. And I'd like to suggest that the thing that is behind a life such as this is fear. You say, well, how do you get that? Well, let me flip the coin. Well, I said, hey, man, why don't you slow down a bit? Why don't you, you know, you're in fifth gear all the time. Why don't you just, just man, just gear back a bit, you know, fourth gear, fifth gear, just cruise a little bit. Oh, Murray, if I did that, man, I'm afraid that. 
Oh, Murray, if I did that, oh, I'm afraid of that. Why don't you just, mate, your kids are doing this and this and this and this. You're running yourself ragged and you don't even know your kids anymore um, because you're, you're pouring yourself out. Your schedule's jam-packed full of things with your kids. Your finances are jam-packed with things because your kids, which, are, which is okay. But, you, man, you've got no margin. Why don't you just pull back a little bit? The kids aren't going to die if you take them out of this or you don't sign up for that or if you don't put your hand up for this. Oh, Murray, but if I did that, then I'm... The the fear is oh, it, but if I didn't that Murray, you don't get it. I'm afraid that. If, 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 if I pull my kid out of that, I'm afraid that. If I don't go here, then I'm afraid that. If, if, if I don't build this or I don't buy that, I'm afraid that. FOMO. Ever heard of it? Fear of missing out. Oh, if I don't, if I don't sign up, if I don't engage, if I don't say yes, I'm going to miss out. There's a good chance I'm going to miss out. If I miss out, then I'm going to miss out. I don't want to miss out. Young people, some of you are still in your 20s, often live with the fear of missing out. Mm. Yeah, but I'm single, and and, 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 and I want to hook up, and I want and I want to find a husband. I want to get married, so you know I've got to go here, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do this, and 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 you know if I don't, then then I'm worried that I'm afraid that I, I'm going to miss out. And, and and if I don't earn this, and if if I if I don't front up to that, and if I don't look good here, and if I don't look shiny there, if I don't look smooth there, then I fear that I'm afraid that. I have a fear of missing out. I've got squeaky shoes on. Sorry. Fear of falling behind. I think we have a fear sometimes of falling behind. Because as humans, and it's human, to look what Matt's got. Oh, he's got that. I'd love to get that. wonder how much that cost. Maybe I'll go for that. Maybe I won't get exactly what he's got because uh, I look like a bit too much of a loser there if I got exactly the same. So I'll get something better or at least comparable to what Matt's got or, or, or maybe what Daryl's got. Perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll go out and get, you know. So, and you start looking at what everybody else is doing, where they're spending their vacations, where they're spending their money, what sort of house they're living in, what sort of, what sort of furniture they've got and what sort of things they're doing with their kids. And you fear that you're going to fall behind, that your kids or your spouse is going to be diminished and minimised because you fall behind. Perhaps you're not like that, but perhaps you're married to someone who's like that. For good intent and purposes, is driving hard, right on the margin, for good reason, because they want to provide. But let me tell you, life is better with breathing space. Fear that we don't matter because we're not as big and strong, as fast, as smart as the last guy. You know, if you look at Scripture, Scripture talks a lot about this whole breathing space. Um, 
it talks about, it doesn't, it doesn't actually mention the words breathing space. But if you open Scripture, for those of us that, that are engaged with Scripture and God, you will know that when you open Scripture in the Old Testament, there's a lot of practical advice on how to move from this to that. And then it's carried on through the New Testament. So, some people like, like you know, sort of leave the Old Testament and, and, and they concentrate more on the New Testament. If you have a look at the New Testament, it, it, it's still practical. It's just, it, it, it seemingly doesn't look as practical advice by Jesus Christ, but, but there's a theme there. And, and when you open your scriptures, you find that there is an ongoing conversation that God has with his people. And it's about breathing space. It's, a, it's, it's actually about, for those of us who are Christian, it's actually about, it's a question of faith and trust. Let me unpack that for a moment. When you open your scriptures and you begin to contemplate what Jesus Christ and God the Father is saying about breathing space financially, breathing space in our schedule, breathing space in our relationships, you quickly identify that it's very, very important to God that you live your life with breathing space rather than this way. God has much to say about breathing space and margin. And why? Because he knows what we're like. He created us. He knows our DNA. He knows how we tick. He knows how self-centered we can get. He knows how fearful we can become. The words fear not is the only command in Scripture that appears in every book of the Bible. The Lord is trying to get the message across that we work best when we have margin in our lives financially, relationally, and daily with our schedule. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find there as we begin to look at the whole concept of breathing space in the Old Testament, you'll find that <clears throat> the Lord actually begins to challenge His people he begins to challenge their faith and their trust in him. Let me illustrate. The Israelites knew only a, a, a world of slavery. They'd been in Egypt for 400 years. Those that had once been free had now died out and all the, the population of the Israelites now, all they knew was slavery. All they knew was 24-hour work. When they wake up, they're working. When they go to sleep, they're working. If they don't work, they die. If they get sick, who cares? We don't waste medicine on sick slaves. If you don't work, you're dead. We can't get our arms around that. We can't get our heads around that because we don't understand a life that they lived under, a life of slavery. But everything re revolved around and centred around this concept of work. And if you didn't work, you didn't eat. And here, is it something I said? And if you, didn't, and if, you, if you didn't work, you didn't sleep. And if you didn't work, you didn't live. And now the Lord takes them out of Egypt and he plants them into a new land. 
And when he plants them into a new land, he's got to reprogram all their thinking because all they know is slave laws. All they know is to live under the oppression of the Egyptians. So he's got to reprogram their hard drives. He's got to actually, he's building a new country. He's building a new society. He's building a new way of thinking with his people. And when he comes uh, and when he installs his people into the new the, 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 the new country, he begins to say, now listen, here's some of the laws that we're going to live under. And you know the big 10. And there was the Mosaic law as well, 600 and something uh, laws. <clears throat> and, 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 and the Lord had to deliver these laws to his people to retrain their thinking because their thinking was rooted in their history and their history was just slavery. So they had no concept of breathing room. Their life was like this. This is how they had to live. If they were to live, they had to live like this. They could not choose to live like this. If they chose to live like this, they woke up one morning dead. Because in their life, no breathing room. When Jesus came along, the Pharisees had taken all these rules that the Lord had handed to Moses and the people. To the nth degree, and they become ridiculous. But let's just have a look at the Israelites and what the Lord encouraged them to do with breathing space and margin. And out of all those laws, one of them that made the top 10 is the top one Sabbath. Thou shalt one day a weeketh have a dayeth offeth. Now, for you, you say, no big deal. I get Saturday and Sunday off. Like, my working week is Monday to Friday. Officially. But for a slave, it was seven days a week. You had to work seven days a week. Because if you didn't work, as I said, you didn't eat. If you didn't work, you didn't live. If you didn't work... And now the Lord says to his people, this is the law. You shall not work. And if you work, it's against the law. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a society of people saying, Lord, you don't know my schedule. You don't know my pace. You don't know, you, you, you don't know my finance. Lord, if I don't work, we don't eat. You see, we can't go to the supermarket. We're going to milk the cow if we want to eat. We're going to bring in the wheat if we want to eat. Lord, a whole day off, we can't accommodate that at all because if we don't work, and Lord says, take a day off. But Lord, trust me. Yeah, but Lord, if we don't do that, we're afraid that, trust me. Yeah, but Lord, what happens if we leave some of the grapes on the ground? We should, and, 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 Trust me. And the Sabbath, apart from many other things that the Sabbath is, is a law that the Lord gave his people so they could build margin into their lives. So they could build breathing space into their lives. Oh, but, but, 
But if I don't, if I don't work, trust me. Trust me. Have faith in what I say. Trust me. You see, this whole thing is tied at base level to a faith relationship in Jesus Christ for those of us that are followers. This whole thing is based on you being comfortable to trust the Lord in the margin. That margin between your pace and your limit. And we all have our pace and we all have our limit. And the Lord asks us, are you willing with the Sabbath and other things, but let's just talk the Sabbath. Are you willing to give me one day a week where we can just have some breathing space together? Trust me. And he also instituted this second thing, tithe. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to ask for your money. But every Jewish household, if they were earning a certain amount of coin, the Lord said, what I want you to do is I want you to take the money that you're earning and I want you to put aside 10% of it. I want you to put it in a box. And every Hebrew home would have a little box or they'd have a cloth that they'd wrap their money up in, or they would have um, a, a, a jar, an earthen jar, that they'd place their little coins in. Because the Lord said, I need a tithe. I need 10% of your wealth. I need 10% of your earnings so that we can begin to build this society, so we can look after the poor, so we can meet the financial needs of those that are doing it tough, so we can build this great nation. And every week, there was a tangible sign in every Hebrew home that 10% tithe was taken and it was taken away. And, and it was the amount that you should not, could not, and would not touch because that was the Lord's portion for building the society. And every week, every Hebrew home was given a tangible illustration of building margin into their finances. The Sabbath was building margin into their schedules. The tithe was building margin into their finances so that when there was margin, when the stress of being right at the limit of your limit. When that was reduced, when that was relaxed, they had more time then for their what? Their relationships. Their relationships not only with God, but also with each other. That's the God we serve. Because the God we serve knows that we need to have breathing room because life's always best. And there's breathing room. <clears throat> then we move on to New Testament. And Jesus really gives you a poke in the eye. And some of you that have been on the journey for a long time will know this verse very, very well. It's one of those verses that you can probably recite by memory. Um, <clears throat> and you'll see that Jesus Christ says here, 
when it comes to, will you trust me? Will you have faith that I can deliver you from this to this? Do you have faith? Can you trust in a God that can provide you the margin or the breathing room you need relationally, financially, and with your schedule? And Jesus says these famous words. He says this. So don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or, 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 or what shall we wear? But Lord, if I, don't, if, I don't, if I don't work, if I don't do this, if I don't run there, if I, if, if I don't invest in this, if I don't make more money, Lord, don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Don't worry. Trust me. Trust me. Have faith that I will look after you in the margin. The verse goes on and says, for the pagans, pagans, those that believe in gods, but not gods like you and I believe. They believe in Jupiter and Zeus and, and Mercury and they believe in the gods that couldn't care less about them. That's what a pagan is. A pagan is someone who's not irreligious, but they're religious just with, with gods that they believe uh, have, have no bearing on their lives, uh, don't affect their lives, couldn't give a rip about them. That's the pagans. Jesus is saying, don't be like the pagans. They run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you trust in a heavenly Father that knows that your kids need to go to school, that knows that bills need to be paid? Do you believe in a heavenly Father that knows the kind of life that you're leading? Do you believe in a Father that knows that you're single, that you're looking for a life partner? Does your heavenly Father, do you think you have, have faith in a heavenly Father that knows how the marriage relationship is going and how your schedule looks and, and, and how your finances are? And do you believe and trust and have faith in a heavenly Father that knows your life situation so well that he's willing to bring into it breathing room for you. And then Jesus says these famous words. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Oh, sorry. And all these things will be given to you as well. The Lord says this. I can give you that. I can offer you that. I have built into my way of life that you will discover through this book, through my son, through my story, through the conversation that I've had with my people throughout the ages. I have built in. I want you to have breathing room. I want you to live with margin in your life, margin in your schedule, margin in your finances, so that it's not a focus on the limit where you live to the detriment of those other important things that you become unaware of. The Lord says, you're better, and life is better when there's breathing room. If you go to an old folks home, 
You talk to a 70-year-old or an 80-year-old, good chance. They say, man, if I have my time over again, before you burn your 20s, before you burn your 30s and your 40s, I'd love to go back. And I would trade my prosperity and my profit and my progress for more peace. I would trade a life that lives on the limit to a life with more breathing room. I'll leave you with this thought. Your life, there is someone or something that will determine the limits that you live your life by. And you can go one of two ways. You can allow the culture and the pressure of what the world has to say as far as this is how you live your life. This is how you progress through life. This is the way to run your finances. This is the way to run your schedule. This is the way to look shiny. This is the way to look important. And you can allow the culture that we live in to determine the amount of breathing space that you have in your life, the amount of breathing room that you have in your finances, the amount of breathing room that you have in your schedule, the amount of breathing room that you will have in your relationships because you have breathing room in your finances and your schedule. You can discover and live a life with Jesus Christ. And a life with a heavenly father that knows what you need. You can live a life trusting and placing your faith in a heavenly father that wants you to live with breathing room. Dear heavenly father, I thank you. Love us so much. What a God. So looking forward to seeing Jesus. So looking forward to that. Lord, this week, may we begin our new week in such a way where as we walk out the door, we are thinking and contemplating those areas in our life where we do need more breathing room. Those areas in our life where we can exercise putting our faith and our trust more in the Heavenly Father of the universe that knows what we need. He knows what we know. Bless us to that end. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, for those that are interested, um, I've only done 50, um, <clears throat> but there's a little summary of today's message complete with a few uh, small group type questions, uh, things to contemplate as you go through the rest of your week. And uh, I invite you to come back uh, next week um, to hear the second presentation in our four-week series, Breathing Room. God bless.